On September 11th, 2001, our American way of life was attacked. Everyone remembers where they were that day and how their lives changed from that moment on. The American Legion is committed to honoring the memories of those we lost on 9-11 and in the global war on terrorism that followed. As part of that commitment, the American Legion Tango Alpha Lima podcast presents a special series, 9-11-2020. 20 episodes in the 20 days leading up to the 20th anniversary of the attacks that changed the world. Each of the 20 guests delivers a unique first-hand perspective on 9-11 and our nation's response. Here is one of those remarkable stories. All right, today we're continuing on with our 20 episodes in 20 days leading up to the 20th anniversary of 9-11, 20 stories to help us reflect and remember. And today we have another of those stories. Today we're joined by Jimmy Brown, who is a Marine veteran, a former New York City police officer and a medically retired New York City firefighter. He's a survivor of the 9-11 terrorist attack at the World Trade Center and has spoken about his experiences as part of Project Liberty, the National Geographic documentary 9-11 Firehouse, and was also a featured subject on the National Institute of Mental Health Public Service Awareness Campaign, Real Men, Real Depression. Jimmy now resides in Central Florida with his wife and two children, working full-time for the Orange County Sheriff's Office in a civilian capacity, while also serving on the agency's critical incident stress management team. Trained in peer support techniques, suicide prevention, crisis intervention, and critical incident stress management, Jimmy continues to advocate for public safety mental health through media appearances and speaking engagements across the nation, as well as by advising other similarly focused organizations. Jimmy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. I know you had said uh, you got kids starting school, so it's kind of a hectic time. So we appreciate you uh, making time for us. I appreciate you guys having me and uh, for the opportunity. So let's uh, let's start with with 9-11 and your experience there and, and how it's led you to, to what you're doing today. Uh, 9-11, I had literally had just left the police department in May of 2001 and uh, had just gotten out of the academy. I was on a training rotation assigned to Engine 10, Ladder 10, right across from the Trade Center. And uh, it was expected to be relatively um, uneventful because there's not a lot of fire duty in downtown Manhattan. Uh, everything's standpipes, sprinklers. Um, so the big joke was at five o'clock when everybody leaves the offices and goes home, we roll down the doors and go to sleep. Um, so on 9-11, uh, I was actually working at 24. We had just gotten back that early morning from a transformer fire and we were getting ready for shift change, which is nine o'clock. And typically I, being the low man on totem pole, I had to check the rig, uh, but I figured I would hold off, had a cup of coffee, decided I was gonna read the paper on house watch. And we had the apparatus doors open and a couple of guys were on the apron. And all of a sudden we heard this plane out of nowhere and it was really loud, really close. And it was actually speeding up. And uh, the guys out on the apron were like, holy crap, it's going to hit the building. It's going to hit the towers. And I thought they were just trying to yank my chain, being the probie. So I stood up, was going to go take a look. As soon as I stood up from the chair, the impact of the North Tower, the first plane in the North Tower hit. And I just felt this concussion wave just go right through me. Um, I watched the plate glass uh, window just like vibrating. And I was surprised it didn't shatter. Um, went outside to the apron, looked up and saw a huge fireball and debris started raining down. And it was literally, you just went into react mode. Uh, we sounded the alarm uh, in the firehouse. We got on a dispatcher. We told the dispatcher what happened. By the time we went around to the rig and started getting our gear on, civilians started pouring into the firehouse, open doors, just trying to get away from the debris that was coming down. We drove out, circled around the building. Um, by the time we got out onto West Street, 
all the cars were gone. This was rush hour on a, on a weekday and there was no cars. Um, I remember as I approached the entrance to the building, I saw one of the guys on the truck, uh, cause we were riding heavy. There's extra guys getting off duty. So they jumped on the rig. Not everybody had a Scott pack and all he was doing was watering down a burn victim. And I remember thinking that the burn victim came from the plane. I, I remember thinking like, how did they survive the fall? Um, but I remember seeing like a lot of pink from the burns and my mind kind of thought that it was a, a training dummy. And, and for a split second, I, I was like, Oh good. It's just a training exercise. Took another step. And I was like, you idiot, you saw the fireball, you know, it's, you know, for real. Um, walked past him, went to go inside the, the lobby and inside the lobby, it was like a little kind of double door foyer setup. And I remember seeing two victims there. One was dead. One was alive. And I had to literally step over the victim um, in order to get inside. And it sucked. It was one of the hardest things I ever had to do because instinctively you just want to stop and help. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't have any medical equipment. I had hose roll ups. So I was on the engine. So really our job was just climb up to the fire and put it out. Went inside the lobby, stayed there for seeming eternity. We were the first units in. We had to wait for the chief. The other units came in. By the time we actually got marching orders to go up, the lobby was filled with cops and firemen, EMS. Um, and all during the time when you're waiting, you just started hearing crashing sounds all over from inside the building, outside the building. The elevators came crashing down. Um, you see, you know, doors kind of ajar on the elevator shafts. Uh, and then you start hearing crashing outside and guys were breaking the windows to get inside instead of coming through the doors. And we're like, you know, what are you guys doing? It's like, well, they're starting to jump. And in that moment, you start thinking, well, how bad is it up there? So we've got to climb up there. You just start trying to get you know, your mind set for what you're going to meet. And it's like, if they're jumping to their sure certain death, it's got to be bad. And I remember I had a, one of the senior guys. Um, he kept telling me, he said, Jimmy, Jimmy, kept hitting me on my chest. Jimmy, 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 people are going to die today. It's like, yeah, I know that, John. You don't got to remind me. So I was, you're supposed to be my rock, you know, the senior guy. Um, so it kind of just amped everything up a little bit more. And I remember once we got our marching orders and went inside the, the stairwell, it was literally from like night and day. The lobby was pure chaos. And once we got into the stairwell, it was almost calm and serene. And the stairwells weren't a typical fire stairwell. The, there was a bi-state agency and they were allowed to get away with making it a, it was literally just a regular stairwell. So one column of first responders going up, one column of civilians coming down out of the building. Um, and it was very quiet. It was very orderly, which shocked me. Um, the only thing I can guess is that most of the people were there for the 93 bombing. And I remember going up, certain things, uh, whenever I tell a story, certain things hit me. That's one of them. As they're coming down, they're telling us, God bless you. Thank you. Um, they're handing us waters uh, that they got out of the vending machines. We would take the water. We would hand it back to a couple, you know, civilians past them because, you know, we're big, tough fighting. We don't need it. Um but it was, it was very humbling, the way that they were uh, composing themselves. And even when there was breaks in the line of civilians coming down, you figure they're done. It's like all of a sudden you see another line coming down. And the reason was because there was an injured civilian that they were helping them down. Nobody behind them was trying to rush and get in front of them. Everybody was orderly. Everybody was calm. And I'm like, that, that stuck with me. Um, so we, we kept climbing up. We got separated from our lieutenant because uh, he got into the, the stairwell first. So he was... Um, a few floors ahead of us uh, and we didn't really make radio contact with them until just before the South Tower, I'm sorry, North Tower came down. We were inside the North Tower. First tower hit, uh, second tower that came down though. And 
we would take rests every once in a while, like every uh, 20 floors or so, uh, 10 or 20 floors, I don't remember. But I remember thinking my biggest concern was that I would have a heart attack um, because I had high cholesterol. I was a little bit older at that time. I was in my 30s coming out of the academy. And I was more concerned about a heart attack than anything else. And one of the uh, other guys in the engine that we were passed, uh, paired up with, um, one of the other engine companies, he was having chest pains. We kept stopping for him. And I remember one time his lieutenant said, you guys go ahead, meet your lieutenant. Um, we're going to wait for the medics to come and take care of this guy. And we're like, okay. And we started climbing up some more. And right after we got into the stairwell was when the South Tower came down. Now, at this point, we had no idea that the South Tower got hit, let alone that that was coming down. All we knew is that our building was shaking violently. Uh, the lights went out, the emergency lights came on, and what we thought was smoke just came up through the shaft of the, the uh, stairwell. So we masked up. We realized that it wasn't smoke, it was just dust uh, once everything stopped and started, it started to settle. And thankfully, we all looked at each other, me and all the other guys in the engine, uh, and we said, whatever's not attached to us, drop it. We'll pick it up when we come back up, but we got to get the hell out of here. And on the way down, uh, we passed other fire companies that uh, they said, where are you guys going? So we didn't get an evacuation order. So I'm looking at the cops and it's like, because our radio system was to the command post, which was wiped out with the South Tower. So we had no communication. The police, having just come from police department, they were talking to a central dispatcher. So I knew that they had more uh, timely and better information than we did. So I'm looking at them evacuating. I'm like, it's time to go, let's get out of here. And if one guy in my engine would have said, no, we got to stay, you'd be talking to somebody else right now because uh, I would surely be dead. All those fire companies I passed that were either continuing going up or standing fast, they're not here. Um, and, and to be per perfectly honest, I felt like a coward going down, um, but I'm here. How, how far off had you made it at that point? We had only gotten up to about the 23rd or so floor because we kept stopping because uh, the other guy was having chest pains and you know between that and us taking breaks, um, so we didn't get very high up. Our lieutenant, uh, I, I want to say I remember him being somewhere in the 30s when we finally made radio contact with him. But it was very hard because it was so much transmissions, just point to point transmissions going on. Um, and we weren't really getting a whole lot of information. Um, I remember one time I, I called my wife. We took a rest. And it was a, an office area. I didn't have my cell phone. It was in my locker since uh, overnight we went out to that transformer fire. And uh, just to let her know that I was there because I had worked the night before. So I knew she'd be going to work. And I remember looking outside and just seeing all the papers and things everywhere. Um, and when I got off the phone with her, just to let her know we're taking a rest, we'll be going up higher. I remember a partial transmission coming over, something about a third plane. And I remember thinking, what's wrong with these knuckleheads? They can't count. It's like there was one plane, the second plane. By this time, the second plane had already hit. We didn't know it because we were inside the core of the building. Yeah. Uh, apologies if you can hear my kids out here. They're just, oh. just got home from school and they're being a little rambunctious. So apologies for that. All right, Ashley, you are up first today. So Jimmy, my question is, you know, as you're, you know, descending the stairwell and you know, you're you're listening into all of the what you refer to as, you know, the most updated information to evacuate you know you get down to that final lobby what were the moments like exiting the building and then finally watching the building meet its fall interestingly enough on the way down i got separated from my fire company uh, they were ahead of me 
And off one of the landings, a couple of Port Authority cops uh, came with a civilian carrying him down. And all three of them were kind of big and they took up the entire stairwell. So I couldn't get around them, even at the landings. And the rest of my company just kept going. And um, I didn't know where they were. You know, I got all the way down to the bottom. The street level was blocked because of the debris from the South Tower, which, again, we didn't know anything happened to. So we had to get off on a plaza level, which is where the globe was, which was like a, I don't know, a couple stories above street level. So when I got out of the building, I got out on the north side in between North Tower and Six World Trade Center, all the way in the northwest corner of the complex. And we, it was all stragglers. We were all separated from our companies. And um, we tried to, sorry, my dog. We, uh, you know, we, we just kept following everybody else and uh, just going around and I didn't see anything. The only thing I saw was debris and papers and dust. And it was happening so fast. I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even take a minute to process what was in front of me. So I just had no idea what was going on. It was happening so fast. I did get some boss from some agency. I don't remember what agency it was. I just remember seeing gold oak leaves. So he was a boss. He said, we have a few civilians coming out, direct them around six world trade center um, to the stairwell. It's like, okay, good probing. I'll do that. And I remember standing there waiting for these people to come and just hearing stuff come whistling down. And then it would impact and dust would just explode. And I didn't know if it was a be uh, debris or if it was a body or what it was. All I know is I felt like I was in a movie. So I, after a little bit, I said, I got to get the hell out of here. Took a couple steps. Um, and as soon as I took a couple steps, that's when the North Tower came down. I didn't see the tower come down, but I felt it. I heard it. I had no idea what was happening at the time. All I knew was that something bad was happening. I heard the uh, floors pancaking uh, upon one another and gathering steam. It sounded like a freight train coming from far away and getting closer. And I felt all the air being pushed out, which at the time I had no idea what the heck was going on. I just felt a gust of wind. And all I had time to do was get up in a, you know, in a ball up against Six World Trade Center and just kind of try and ride out whatever was happening. Wow. Yeah. All right, uh, Jeff, you're up here. Hey, um, I, I wish we had more time. I have like a menu of questions that I could ask. Um, it, there's just so much. I mean, just hearing and feeling the, the sonic waves of the boom, uh, I could talk to you about that probably for our entire time. But what I, some of the things that stick out to me, because every day these days, if I turn on social media, the news, walk around the streets. It doesn't even seem to matter. My, the, I, have, I have this internal bank account of faith in humanity, and mm -hmm. there, are already, there are always so many withdrawals taking, taken I that I can't ever imagine that it's ever going to break even. On that day, it seems like a lot of some of the things you talk about, the silver lining, is that you had a lot of faith in humanity deposits. Uh, if, if you could talk about how your, not just your colleagues, your, the, the people you worked with and the other first responders, but also the civilians, it sounds like mm -hmm. uh, they, we came together as uh, humanity and dealt with the situation in a way that we can't deal with potholes at city council. Like we can't seem to come together for anything, but we seem to come together that day. So if you Talk about both professionally and the professionals and also the civilians and how they either impress, made an impression on you that day. Oh, they, the civilians absolutely did, because like I said, they, they were coming down. Typically, if 
yeah, I know how I felt going down. When I was behind those two Port Authority cops with that civilian, every ounce of me wanted me to push them out of the way, especially a civilian. I started getting, I, honestly, I started getting pissed off at him because he wasn't helping himself. Um, he relied solely on the, the two cops. He wasn't injured. He was just, I guess, uh, you know, uh, mentally spent and overwhelmed. And I started getting pissed off because I just wanted to get the hell out of that building. Um, so I look at the way I felt and I see the reactions of a lot of the, the civilians. I'm like, there's a lot of people that, that were much better than I was on that day. Um, thankfully, I was able to contain myself and act professionally and not push them out of the way. Um, but it, it was kind of like all hands on deck from beginning to end. Um, by the time I got out of that building um, or out of the debris, because I was out of the building when it fell, but out of the debris and I, I made my way to Broadway and started to see life again. I saw the new command post. I mean, thousands of firefighters on recall that were off duty coming in, cops, EMS all over the place. It was, literally, it was like an army had come, um, you know, looking to help. They were coming from every direction. And yeah, I felt like crap because here I was, I was mentally spent. I was in shock at that point and I couldn't do a damn thing. I just kind of meandered about until I ended up in hospital later that afternoon. Why well, wouldn't... I wouldn't think anybody would expect every single human being. It's trust me, you you probably did significantly more than you're giving your giving yourself credit for, or gave yourself credit for. Then, I now I just have a quick follow up because I'm reading that you're uh, you do a speaking and you've been on uh, like especially training for emergency response. What lessons from this day do you pass on to other first responders or in your in your training events? that there's always light at the end of the tunnel um, for it, it, it's weird because I got involved with a peer support organization, Papa, um, who one of your, your former guests, the, the connection to getting me here today, Sean um, was involved with, and that gave me the tools in my toolbox to get through the aftermath of nine 11. Cause even with those tools, I still ended up getting knocked on my tail and I ended up getting diagnosed with acute stress disorder and a side of depression. Had I not had that training, I most certainly would have, uh, it would have been post-traumatic stress disorder. It might've taken years to manifest and develop and, and actually come to the surface because, you know, my, my go-to is what I saw around me. You know, the way you, you deal with it is you self-medicate. Um, everybody around you drinks. And I mean, even with that, I still tried to self-medicate. I was bringing beer into the firehouse when I was working 24 hours on, 24 off. And I was still trying to take the edge off. Um, but if it wasn't for that, um, I, I definitely be dealing with it. I know a lot of guys that are dealing with it like it was still yesterday. So for me, it's, um, you know, giving comfort and, and, and hope to the guys that are in that situation by letting them know that there is light on the other side of the tunnel. You've got to keep coming, you know, um, to, to the people that actually got through the tunnel. You don't listen to the knuckleheads behind you. You listen to people that have come through the tunnel. Um, and you keep heading towards that voice because they've made it through. And, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel bad because 9-11 doesn't affect me the way it affects a lot of people. I'm like, there, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's hope that you can actually process this stuff and lead a relatively normal life. That's a, that's a great lesson. And uh, <laughs> thanks for actually teaching it to me today, as well as the, the, the paid opportunities that you get. So I, I appreciate that free advice.
what what role do you think um, your previous life in the Marine Corps before that, do you think that prepared you to some extent for the kind of the stress box? And what have you taken away from the experience that you utilize now? Absolutely. It's it's uh, going into Marine Corps when I did was because I, uh, I knew I needed the discipline. And I remember yeah, I was I grew up fatherless. So, well, he was around, but he really wasn't around. I didn't have any kind of um, foundation in my life. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have no faith, had no religion, had no father in the, in the picture. Um, so I, I kind of ran the streets a lot in Brooklyn growing up. And I went into Marine Corps because I knew I was coming to a crossroads where I was either going to end up like all my friends, either dead or in jail, or I was going to make something out of my life. And it gave me the discipline um, within my life that I could actually do something with it. You know, it actually allowed me to go to the police academy, become a cop. It actually allowed me to go to the fire department um, just to have that frame of mind of perseverance, you know, uh, goal oriented, um, adapt, improvise, overcome. That's what life's about. You know, life comes at you in a lot of different ways and you have to be able to change. Um, and if you don't, it's you're like that, that solid, rigid oak tree is going to snap or get uprooted. I like to be a palm tree. That's why I moved down to Florida. <laughs> just bend with the breeze. Um, but it, it, it honestly coming through 9-11 really, uh, focused my talents, um, my calling, and it, it all involves around public safety, uh, mental health. Um, so that's why now I, I'm with the sheriff's office, even though I'm a civilian now, I serve on the CISM team. I, I consult with some other teams. I get involved wherever I can, um, because I know the value of it and I know the importance of it. Yeah. Jeff, did you have any follow-ups? You looked like you were chomping at the bit there. Ashley? I am <laughs> stunned. I am just, the way, Jimmy, that you told your story, I just, I felt all of it. I felt it. And I'm really appreciative that, you know, I always have always felt that folks from a service military perspective, they always go on to have a second service. And I think that you've done that through both being a police officer and a fireman and all the training, the discipline and the things that have started or laid that foundation have now continued onward to pass on, you know, the, the baton of, of the one, the importance of uh, importance of, of mental health and, and self-care and taking care of yourself and resilience. So I, I really appreciate you. I uh, appreciate Thank you for everything you're doing. Opportunity. I always joke around. I, I haven't figured out what I want to be when I grow up because I've had so <laughs> many different uh, professions. But interestingly, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a cop, a Marine, a cop, and a fireman. And by the grace of God, I was able to do all three. Even though I tried to do two at the same time and be an MP when I enlisted, I believe my recruiter and I went in an open contract. Oh. As a former MP, <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> Well, Jimmy, we, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Couldn't uh, couldn't appreciate hearing about this more, and it fits in well with the rest of the package we have around 9-11, so I really appreciate you, you being that. here. Jeff, Ashley, I will see you guys tomorrow for another one, and again, Jimmy, thank you very much for joining us. Everyone else, remember to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, rate and review us. I can hear my sons out there yelling. So uh, if you want to send us any feedback, you can comment on YouTube or Facebook, or you can send us an email at tangoalphalima at legion.org. We will be back tomorrow with another 9-11 story. And Jimmy, thank you again. 
Ashley, Jeff, see you tomorrow. Thank you, guys.